Every single day, I want all the prayers I can get. So maybe you just want to drop a line and say, hey, can you agree with me about a promotion on my job? Or, you know, I'm, my kids are ready to go to college. And, and, you know, all of these things that we face every single day. And we just want to pray with you. We want to connect with you. We're not saying, well, if you sign this card, if you text us, you're automatically a member of this church. No, we are the body of Christ. And the foot needs the ankles and the head needs the arm. We all need each other. So again, reach out to us whichever way you can. All right. So let's go ahead and get right into continue on as God leads. You know, we've been talking about this being our year of positioning, being in the right place where God would have us to be. The Bible tells us that the steps of the righteous are ordered by God. God has ordered our steps, and it's up to us to be in the place that he wants us to be. But we're also talking about our sermon series now. We're talking about our covenant rights, our covenant rights. I know one time many, many years ago, I went to court on something that someone else I took their advice because they're like, oh, this is what I did. This is what I did. And then I went to court and I used their same advice. And it cost me a whole lot of money because I was not aware of my rights as a citizen. I took someone else's bad advice. But you know that through the word of God, we have covenant rights. We have rights and, and, and we're, not even, we're not even taking full advantage of them. Because we, we just don't know. We just don't know all the rights that God has for us. So on today, we're going to talk about this. Our topic for today is simply trust and obey. Trust and obey. And when we hear those words, what, what, think about what comes to mind. When you hear someone say trust, trust, what comes to mind? Partnership. Oh, what about obey? Now, when you say obey, that kind of makes some people cringe. Like, no, no, I don't, I don't do the obey. Oh, yeah, obey, yeah, you can put some obey on my chicken, on my seafood. <laughs> but we don't like to hear obey because that means you somehow or another have a control or options to do something that I may not particularly like. So what's the definition of trust? It's the firm belief in the reliability the truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. The belief of the reliability, truth, and ability, or strength of someone or something. Obey. It means to comply with a command, direction, or request of a person or a law and submit to the authority of. To comply with it and submit to the authority of. Now, I'm going to get into that submission. Well, submit can also be another one of those dirty words. No, no, no. I don't submit. I don't submit. But submit really only means to yield your will to someone else. To yield to the will of someone else. And also thinking of the greater word submission. Submission. I have, uh, excuse me, God has a mission, but I have a submission. Does that make sense? God has the great mission and I have a submission until I do what I do. And I mean, granted, God can do whatever he wants to, whenever he wants to, however he wants to, in his good time. 
But God's saying, there are certain missions that I need you to do in order to create, in order to fulfill the greater mission. So we have a submission. Have you ever had something that you really, really are looking forward to? An event that's going to happen, something you're going to get. But before that happens, you've got to do something that you dread. You've got a great vacation plan. It's like, man, I can't wait. We're going to be on the beach, man. We're going to be swimming with the dolphins. We're going to be, you know, going to nice restaurants and all that. It's like, but, man, I got to take this test. I got to study for this test before I can go on vacation. Or you've got a report that's due at work. Or it's like, man, I've been putting away, I've been paying, I've been paying, and they're going to finally deliver my furniture on Monday. Man, I'll be getting rid of all that furniture, ain't got no cushions, you know, got coffee stains and all that. You're looking forward to that furniture. But then you've got to work all day Friday, all day Saturday, and all day Sunday. You just want your furniture. You're like, I don't want the weekend to come. I just want Monday to come so I can get my furniture. And Jesus said, I'm looking forward to, to something forward. Uh, I'm looking forward to something great too. But Jesus had to do something that he didn't want to do. Die. But Jesus, in these same words, trust and obey. The first thing he had to do was he had to trust the Father. Matthew chapter 26, and I'm using the New King James Version. Matthew for those of you who are taking notes, and, uh, and Sister Thelma has given us a great idea. If there's something on the screen, you're like, well, I can't write that down. Take your phone out and take a picture of it. Keeps you from having to do all that writing, right? But Matthew, <laughs> Matthew 26, verse 39, and Jesus, right before he was betrayed, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And the Bible tells us that he went a little farther and fell on his face and, and prayed, saying, Oh, Father, if it is possible... Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but your will. Your will be done, Lord. So he's putting his trust in the Father. He's putting his trust in the Father. But then secondly, he had to obey. Now, Jesus was was fully man and fully God the whole time that he was on the earth. He was not supernatural, He just exercised the word of God. The Bible tells us that he was the word that became flesh. But in John chapter 18, and this is, again, dealing with the same situation, Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, the soldiers have come to arrest him. He went forth to them, and they didn't ask him, hey, have you seen Jesus? He asked them. Whom are you seeking? Next verse, please. They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with the soldiers. Now, when he said to them, I am he, Jesus, still being fully God, fully anointed, had so much power and so so such a great anointing on him, it says they drew back and fell to the ground. Next. Then he asked them again, who are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go. 
They were not required to sacrifice their life, not at that time. But Jesus said, I will trust and I will obey. You've come to arrest me. I'm not going to fight you. Even Peter thought enough to pull out his sword and cut off Malchus' ear. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. We're not about that. I will trust the Father. And then Philippians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. And I actually took this from the New Living Translation. It says, but stripped himself of all privileges and rightly, rightful dignity. So as to assume the disguise of a servant slave in that he became like men and was born a human being. Verse 8. And after he had appeared in human form, he abased and humbled himself still further and carried his obedience to an extreme death, even the death on the cross. And Pastor Wendy told me the computer made some mistakes. It jumped over and did some things. That's not the New Living Translation. But the New Living Translation says that Jesus died a criminal's death. There was nothing glorious about what they did to him. Nothing that you want to write home and tell mom and dad about. Again, I say that Jesus was the only man in human history that we know of that was scourged. In other words, he was beaten and bled. He should have just bled out. But then he had to take his cross to his place of death, the Via Della Rosa, they say, the way of the cross, to go to Golgotha, and then not only was he scourged, but then he was crucified. He was treated far worse than the the two thieves that hung on the cross next to him. We can be so demanding. I don't want this. I want to see the manager. This is unacceptable. I want, to talk to your, I want to talk to your supervisor. I'm letting you know right now that when I leave here, I'm calling the corporate office. Have we ever done that before? Have we had anything like that? But we get upset. And I'm not saying that because you pay good money, you should accept anything less. But when we think of the greater scheme of things and what Jesus had to suffer, He simply trusted and obeyed. We can't compare, you know, oh, they didn't cook my potatoes right. Pastor Wendy and I went to Ocean City, Maryland a few years ago for our anniversary, and I ordered grits off the menu. I tell you what, I could have took those same grits and put them on the wall and and sanded them down. They they were horrible. And I wanted to ask them, is this the way y'all cook them? But in, in the greater scheme of things, yes, I'm paying my money for it, but... We complain about so many things, but we don't think about what even our mother, our grandparents had to suffer, let alone Jesus on the cross. So I've got four points on you for you today. When we're talking about trust and obey, trust and obey, the first point is this, faith over friends. Faith over friends We are going to have to make some decisions, if you haven't already in your lifetime, where you're going to have to make some decisions that you have to choose your faith over your family, your neighbors. And and we want to strive. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12, it says, as much as it lies within you, live at peace with all men. We should do the best we can to get along with people because that's how we let our light shine. But at some point, you are going to have to make a decision that says, no, I I can't do that. 
I can't do that. In Acts chapter 5, verse 28, the disciples had been, the apostles, as the Bible says, had been arrested and placed in jail. And when they went to bring them out for questioning, God had miraculously allowed them to escape. So they went and found them. The, the soldiers went and found them and said, hey, they're out in the street preaching. So in verse 28, it picks up and says, saying, did we not strictly command you not to teach in his name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend us to bring this man's blood, Jesus' blood, on us. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. Why? They were just in jail. And it's like, if I go to jail for one night, I'm going to make sure I don't do anything that's going to cause me to go back to jail. Oh, no, the food's not good and the company, oh, it's not, not, not my cup of tea. But they trust and obey because they knew they, were in, they are in covenant, same as we are. They're in covenant with God. I was talking to... Um, to Brother Ray this morning, you know, about, um, I'll tell you what, I'm not even going to talk about that. Let, let's, 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 um, let's, um, let's look at something that's, when I talked about obey, I know some of you may have cringed, but let's look at a popular application of the word obey. Let me have those vowels up there. Do you take this man, this is to the woman, do you take this man to be your wedded husband and do earnestly promise before God and these witnesses that you will love him, honor him, comfort and what? Obey him in sickness and in health that forsaking all others for him will perform all unto him all the duties that a wife owes her husband until God by death shall separate you. I will tell you, on March the 3rd, 2001, Pastor Wendy did not say these words. She said, you get what you get. (laughs) But in our premarital counseling, we both decided that my wife is not going to obey me. The Bible tells us husband and wives submit to one another, to one another, to yield your will to someone else. But she is, it's not biblical that she should obey me. She obeys God. When I roll over and it's like, I'm, I got to get 30 more minutes, and she's up praying, she's obeying God. And I'm, I'm not in disobedience. God told me to sleep. <laughs> But you understand, there is a difference between obeying and submitting. They're similar, but then they're different. Second point, don't deviate from God's plan. Do not deviate from God's plan. As I was saying earlier, a GPS will tell you, go down here 4.2 miles and make a right. And it'll tell you what street you're on. They'll say, make, go 0.2 miles and then make a left and then go 300 feet and your destination will be on the left. And it'll tell you, you should arrive there by 1048. God will give us step-by-step instructions for everything that he has already purposed for us to do. The only thing is, 
God will not tell you when you're going to arrive. We think, well, Lord, how long do I have to go through this? Weeping's going to endure, but you'll have joy in the morning. That, does, that doesn't mean Monday. That means when the morning comes, when the sun shines on us, we can rejoice. Very uh, popular story that we've heard before, and I'm going to be skipping through some of the verses. I don't have all of them. 1 Samuel chapter 15, beginning at verse 10. Samuel the prophet says, Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, I greatly, God has spoken to Samuel and said, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. He was told to go to Agag or to, uh, to the Amalekites and destroy all of them. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. Then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul blessed him. Now, Saul thought he did a great thing, and the Bible even tells us that he even built a monument to himself. He's like, I'm good. I did what God told me to do. But Saul said to him, blessed are you who have performed the commandments. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. But Samuel said, what is this? What, what am I hearing? You're saying you did everything that God told you to do. He said, what is this bleeding and this howling and all this noise and all these things I hear in my ear from the oxen? All those. And Saul said, they have brought them. They. He ain't talking about himself. He's not taking responsibility as a leader. He says, they have brought them from the Amalekites. For the people spared, the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord, your God. And the rest we have utterly destroyed. The rest we utterly destroyed. But we kept the best, but God said destroy everything. Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go and utterly destroy. He's telling them what God said because he told me what he told you. The Amalekites and fight against them until they are utterly consumed. And I'm skipping through. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, king of of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. Well, he didn't tell you to bring back the king. But the people took the plunder. The people, again, he's pointing the finger. He's not accepting responsibility. Instead of us trusting God, we want to put the, the responsibility on someone else. But he took the, they took the best of things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord, the God of Gilgal. So Samuel said, has the Lord, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings as obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. And the important part here, because it applies to us today. I know it applies to my life. Understand what he says. And to heed than the fat of rams. Oftentimes when we feel like we've fallen short or we disobey what God told us to do. We say, Lord, I trust you. I trust you. Oh, yeah, I know what your word says. I trust you. I trust you. And then God says, well, do this. Oh, Lord, I... Oh, will you look at the time? Oh, God, I'm sorry. I'm busy right now. We see people on the street corner. And I understand women are different from men. 
but you see someone on the street corner that you may be able to assist, and you're driving down the road, the Lord says, go back and go and ask them what's wrong. And you're driving, it's like, oh, uh, yeah, okay, but um, I've, I've um, yeah, um, oh, man, look, I'm caught at the light. Oh, I can't turn around. Oh, uh, okay, the light's green. Okay, I'm going. All right, Lord, you know something your word tells me? Yeah, I'd be in, in, in season, out of season. Uh, go ye therefore in all the world. And before we know it, we're four miles down the road. And we finally decide to turn around. We get back and the person is gone. If we would have just turned around when God told us to. Don't deviate from God's plan. So we're like, okay, Lord. Instead of, I couldn't witness that person. Tomorrow I'm going to buy donuts for everybody in the office. And God said, I didn't tell you to buy donuts for everybody in the office. And we do those kind of things because we think we're going to heed the fat of the rams when in all actuality, the heed means to obey. The fat is the sacrifice. The heed is the obey. The fat is the sacrifice. And God's like, I need both of them. I need you to trust me and I need you to obey. I need you to trust me. God's like, I don't want your aftermarket. I don't want no sloppy seconds, as we say. And as, as uh, Stevie Wonder says, y'all forgive me, he said, I don't want no part-time lovers. In, chap- in Joel chapter 2, verse 13, just the first part of it says, rend your hearts, not your garments. If you're upset about something, if something's bothering you, tear your own heart open and say, search me, God. Know my heart. Try me, Lord, and know my wicked ways. If there be any wicked way in me, Lord, you show me in a way everlasting. I don't want your sacrifices. Don't tear your clothes open because that in that time uh, was associated with mourning, grief, or loss. If you read the Bible, you'll, you'll hear where it says the priest would rip open their clothes, but the high priest was not allowed to do those things. But God's like, don't deviate from my plan. Do what I tell you to do. And, and he's not a dogmatic God. I'm, I'm putting it with attitude, y'all. Forgive me. But he's saying, do what I tell you to do. Trust me and obey, and you will see your covenant rights open up to you. God wants a sacrifice, but after the obedience. We can't offer a sacrifice without the obedience. And the sacrifice is nothing without the obedience. Point number three, delivered or denied. Delivered or denied. As long as you're walking with God, understand this. As long as we are in relationship with God, you don't ever have to lie about anything. You don't have to lie about anything. Um, there was some damage done to my truck. I had to put it in the shop, and they said it should be done. I gave it to them on one day. It should be done by the end of the week. Well, in the meantime, the rental car they gave me, uh, I get in and start it up one, one morning, and the left front tire is flat. According to the gauge, I look at it, it's like, it looks fine, but it's telling me it had lost like half the pressure. So I put some air in it. Two days later, the tire's flat again. So I'll go back, and I was like, hey, can you give me another car? And they're like, oh, well, you know. And they were professional. Don't get me wrong. Very professional. And they were like, well, you know, what you could do is actually go to the Firestone and just tell them you're from Enterprise and they'll fix the tire. And I'm like, I don't have time for this. I mean, this is just me. I mean, you know how it is because you know what it is. You go in there with a flat tire. They're like, okay, take a number. Oh, I'm with Enterprise. 
All right, we'll take two numbers then. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'll wait. And then they told me, well, your car's not going to be ready. I was like, huh? And they would have given me a car that day, except for I had left a spare key at home. So in case I locked my keys out, Pastor Wendy could come and help me. So they're like, well, we can't give you a car if you don't have the spare key. All right, fine. So when they couldn't give me my car back, I went to the Firestone dealer and they said, I said, hey, how much time would it take to get a tire fixed? She's like, can you drop it off and leave it with us? I'm like, it's Saturday. I got stuff to do. You know, like go home and take another nap. And I said, well, how long are we looking at? She said, two to two and a half hours. All right, thank you. That's just what I wanted to hear. So I go back to the rental car place, and they said, I said, look, I just left Firestone, and they said it's going to be three hours. Wait a minute. They told me two, two and a half hours. But I kind of figured in, you know, my own time, you know. Just bump it up to even three. But I lied. Did I not? Now, they could have seen, they could have started working on my car at the two and a half hour point and maybe took another 30 minutes, so it's three hours altogether, but that's not what they said. They told me two, two and a half hours. As long as we're walking with God, we don't have to lie. All I had to tell them was two, two and a half hours, and I would have gotten to rent a car anyway. They ended up giving me another car, but why did I lie? And we think, oh, it's it's no big thing. It's no big, it's it's a lie. And the Bible tells us anything that's not of faith is sin. I didn't believe that they would believe that that they wouldn't take my word at two two hours. Well, sir, can you wait? Can you wait? Because we don't really have a car for you. Can you wait? No, I want another car. I want another car now. So what did I do? I exaggerated. It's a lie. Don't say exaggerate. It was a lie. Genesis chapter 12. And, And I will tell you, so many employers would tell you, if you make a mistake, just say, hey, hey, I, messed a, I made a mistake. I, I accidentally deleted the whole document. But when you lie about it, they'll say, that's grounds for termination. Don't ever feel like as a child of God, you have to lie. Abram, God is speaking to Abram and telling him he has to leave. Therefore, when it will happen, when the Egyptians see you, and this is Abram talking, he says, they will say, this is his wife, and they will kill me. But they will let you live. Please say that you're my sister. He's talking to his wife. Tell, you, tell him you're my sister. Let me be well with me for your sake that I may live because of you. Don't tell him you're my wife. Tell him I'm your, I'm your brother. And then again in chapter 20, he's Abraham now. And Abraham journeyed from there to the south and dwelt between Kadesh and Shur, and stayed in Gerar. Now Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. You said it was your sister. I want your sister. And what ended up happening was God dealt with the king and said, don't you dare touch that woman. That's his wife, not his sister. And he came back, he's like, why did you lie to me? Why did you lie to me? Because he did not trust God. And, and Abraham, we know, was of God from beginning to the end. But he, he got weak. Acts chapter 5, verse 1. It says, but a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira his wife, sold a possession. And he kept back part of the proceeds. 
His wife also being aware of it and brought part, a certain part, and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit, to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price you paid for yourself, of the land that you paid yourself? And while it remained, was it not yours? When you had the land, in chapter 4, it tells us that the people came together and they, they sold their possessions so that everyone would have something. He said, but when the land was yours, you could do what you want. And you could have given what you wanted, but you have lied about it. And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this in your heart? You have not lied to me, but you lied to God. You didn't lie to me because God gave that to you. God knows how much it costs and God knows how much you sold it for. But you want to bring us a piece of it. It's like, is this all of it? It's like, no. I realize I have a change of heart. No, this isn't all of it. But guess what? The very next verse tells us he dropped dead right on the spot. And then his wife came in after the fact and Peter asked them, Hey, is this, is this all the money you got for? It's like, yeah. Say, you know something? The feet of the men who took your husband out are going to take you out of here too. And she dropped dead as well. So we can either be denied our blessings or we can be delivered by following what God is telling us to do. Trust and obey. Trust and obey. Abraham lied because he was in fear. And I'm not justifying what he did. We're not justifying. We're not condoning sin, saying, well, he did it for a good reason. He did it for a good reason. But Abraham, he lied because of fear. Ananias lied because of greed. Abraham, again, lied to man. But Ananias lied to God. It's a difference. A lie is a lie. You know, people's like, you know, you can beat up your friends, but you don't beat up your brother. You know, or, or somebody's like, you know, you can lie to your friends, but you don't lie to, to me or whatever. No, don't lie, period. And then my last point is this. Let's talk about the perfect example. When it comes to trust and obey, the perfect example. Can you put that back? Did you get that? Yeah, she got it? All right. Hebrews chapter 12 beginning at verse 1. And again, I'm reading from the New King James Version. Hebrews chapter 11 is what we call the faith chapter. Verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Verse 6 tells us, he that comes to God must believe that he is and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Why? Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's the first part. It's impossible to please God. So when we come to him, believe that he is God and he will reward us according to our obedience. But in chapter 11, it talks about by faith, Rahab, who was a prostitute, told the spies, come hide here. And all the men and the women in the Old Testament, the great things they did because they trust and obeyed God. So then verse 12 picks up with this. It says, therefore, you've, we've, we've heard all of this stuff. Therefore, since we are surrounded 
All of these great witnesses who can testify of God's goodness because they trusted and they obeyed, let us lay aside everything. I'm going to lay aside, you know, I used to lie to get my way. I used to beg, borrow, and steal to get what I wanted. But I see how these people walk by faith. They had a covenant with God and they walked according to their covenant. So I'm going to lay aside everything that I used to do. And every sin that so easily ensnares me. And I'm going to run this race with endurance that is set before me. I've got my race. You've got your race. You've got your race. Verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Remember I told you, Jesus had, was so excited about, he was going back to the Father. He was going back to the Father. But he had to die first, a criminal's death. But who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Endured the cross. We think, and I said before, Jesus was not supernatural in anything he did. The Romans were experts when it comes to crucifying. And, and I'm probably telling you all stuff you've already heard before. That the nail prints were not in his hand, they were in his wrist. Because there's a nerve that runs down your wrist. And they knew when they hit that nerve, it felt like your arm was on fire. They knew exactly how to hit him. Because if they hit him in his hands, then his hands would basically, the flesh and everything would tear and he would fall off the cross. When it says he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he prayed and his sweat was like blood, it wasn't like blood, it was blood. Because a person, even you and I, if you get under enough stress, if you get on, it's like, oh, I can't take this anymore. Y'all getting on my last nerve. I had 20 of them and y'all getting on my last one. We get so stressed, but Jesus was so stressed. It's, it's actually a medical condition that you can sweat blood. And he hung on the cross. And we're thinking the easiest thing to do, if you, if you like swimming, the easiest thing to do when you're underwater is to do what? To exhale. But by the way he hung on the cross, he could not exhale. So every criminal, even the two thieves on the cross, in order to breathe, they had to pull themselves up in order for them to exhale. And he endured that. Let me have that verse back up, please. Thank you. Despising the shame. People spat on him. They put a crown of thorns on his head and slapped the thorns so they would dig into his scalp. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Why? Because of the joy we're like, I can't deal with this. I can't deal with this. But guess what? If you deal with it for a few more days, you're going to get a paycheck. And if you deal with this for enough years, you will spend an eternal life with Jesus. And I'm telling you right now, the, the shame and the, and the things we endure in this country, and I'm getting ahead of myself. How many people in the United States of America, and I'm not like a, a, a huge history buff. I love history. How many, when was the last time you ever heard of a Christian who died in America because they were a Christian? We got it so easy here. It's like, man, don't, don't invite her. Man, shoot, she going to church on Sunday. It's like, oh, y'all don't want to hang with me no more? No, not since you started going to church. But for the joy. You hear about athletes. It's like, how did he get to be so great? Well, while his friends were out running the street, he sat and he practiced free throws. 
He practiced free throws. How did he get to be so smart? Well, when all of my friends were practicing free throws, I was in the library studying. You endure. And you trust and you obey. Verse 3. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Oh, Frank ain't talking to you some more? No more? So you all bummed out? Judy won't return your calls or your text message, so you all down in the dumps? What can Judy do for you? Yeah, Judy's been a great friend. Frank's been your boy since, since way back in the day. But Frank can't get you to heaven, and Judy can't get you saved. And verse 4 says, you, and this is what I was saying before, none of us have yet to resist bloodshed, striving against sin. None of us have had to say, I'm not going to do what you're sinning. Oh, you're not a saint anymore? Or, I mean, you don't want to hang with us anymore? Get out on your knees, boom, and shoot us in. Ain't nobody doing that to us in America. Now, we know there have been accounts where there's been, like, school shootings, mall shootings, and it's like, don't shoot me, I'm a Christian. Oh, you're a Christian? Boom, and they shoot them. But they didn't go after them because they were Christians. They just were in that particular place. But you can go stand on the street corner. Guess what? People are going to laugh at you. You're going to joke at you. They might even throw some rocks at you. But no one's going to knock on your door and drag you out in the streets because you say, I believe in Jesus Christ. Jesus knew what he was facing. He knew. But he knew he had a test. He had a test. This was not a temptation. Because when you, when you fail a temptation, you end up sinning. When you fail a test, God's like, guess what? Next week, you're going to see that test again. And you get to take it over and over and over again. You want to keep passing people up and you don't want to say hi to people? God's going to keep putting people in your way until you learn to open your mouth. And I'm speaking to myself first. Till we learn to open our mouths and speak to people, love people. What are the greatest commandments? Jesus said to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. And the, the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. But they, Lord, you don't, you know everything, God. Jeremiah said, he's the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? But God, one thing you don't know, you don't know how they talk about me behind my back. <laughs> Who do you think gave them the lips to breathe, the, li- the lips to speak and the air to breathe? I know what they're saying. But the Bible tells us, and I'm done with this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it tells us this is a light affliction. This ain't nothing compared to what, what people like Abraham. Peter even said, you know something? They're going to crucify me. But I don't even count myself worthy to be crucified as Jesus was crucified. Hang me upside down. And I'm telling you, I remember a point when I used to be able to do a forward roll and do basic gymnastics. I used to be able to stand on my head. If I stand on my head now, I better go get some Tylenol. I'm going to have, and I ain't confessing, but I know it's just going to tear me up. But this is a light affliction. And the verse goes on in the end to say that the things we see are temporary. 
They're going to pass away. Man, these, don't you, what, you stepped on my shoe? Man, do you know how much I pay for these shoes? Because one of my feet, honestly, one of my feet is bigger than the other one. You know how hard it is for me to find a good pair of shoes and comfortable enough? And you stepped on my shoes? Man, come on. That's a light affliction. Dust it off and keep it on. Hey, how you doing? I'm sorry. You had a little trouble walking. Can I help you? How you doing? Nice to meet you. Because the things we see are temporary, but the things we don't see are eternal. And I'm actually done on this one. It's a popular saying. People may not remember the things you said or the things you did, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. Trust. And I'm telling you, I know people that, you know, I'm a delivery driver, and I know people, and they won't even speak to me. And I don't even know their name, but I love them. God bless you. Have a good day. I had a chance to witness to a guy. He didn't even know what Good Friday was. I was like, he's like, what's Good Friday? He's like, yeah, man, happy Friday. I was like, yeah. I said, but Good Friday. He's like, what's Good Friday? I said, it's the day we honor as the day that Jesus was sacrificed and laid in the tomb. It's like, Lord, I I don't know if I can take this. But guess what? If you trust me and you obey, obey is not a bad word. I hope you all got something out of this. I really do. And we thank you all so much for viewing with us online. We thank you so much. And, And when we trust, Romans chapter 10 verse 8 says that the word is near us even in our mouth the word of faith of which we possess and verse 9 says but if we will confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead then we shall be saved John three seventeen says because God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world he could have done that He brought a flood on us. He said he didn't send his son to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So if you want to change your life, and you want, or should I say, if you want to see your life changed, the word is near you. It's even in your mouth. You just need to confess. Just confess. You don't have to cut your hair off. You don't have to come here with a, with a $100 offering. You don't have to do anything and, you know, wear dresses down to your ankles. And if that's how you dress, that's fine. And like one pastor said, you know, I was like, oh, no, 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 we don't do makeup. I love what one pastor used to say back in the 80s. He says, I like paint on my barn. <laughs> I love when my wife wears makeup. But she's beautiful regardless. But you don't have to do all the things. All you have to do is say, Lord Jesus. And I'm telling you this to those of you who are watching on social media. Say, Lord Jesus, in your own words, you don't even have to get on your knees. But if you do, as a sign of submission and reverence to God's spirit, say, Lord, I'm asking you now. You know everything I've ever done. In fact, you know every thought I've ever had. And even before church, I thought about some things and some people I haven't forgiven. But Lord, I'm asking you right now 
that you would forgive me of my sins and cleanse me. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. That you commended your love for us that while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for the ungodly. And so, Lord, I'm asking you, just come in my heart. I'm not asking you to give me the riches of the world. I'm just asking you to come in my heart. Can you, can you do that for me? Can you do that, Lord? Can you, can you come and live in me? Can you come and live in me? And Lord, I, I'm not saying I'm going to always do right, but if you live in me, I, I can do the right thing. I will trust and I'll obey, Lord. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And when I fall, you said, if I confess my sins, you are faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from those things. So I'll lay aside the weight and the sins, and I'm going to run my race. I'm going to fall, but I'm going to get up. I'm going to fall, but I'm going to get up. I'm going to fall, and I'm going to get up. And Lord, by your stripes, I'm going to be healed from my past. I'm going to be healed from everything that afflicts me. And I'm, and as your word declares, that I'm no longer a, a servant because a servant doesn't know what his master's doing. But now I'm an, I'm an heir of God and I'm a joint heir with Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And if you prayed a prayer in your own words, if you just said, yes, Lord, come in my heart, the Bible declares you are saved. You are saved. And I, I tell you this now, that the enemy is going to come in, the Bible says, like a flood, and tell you, it was Easter. Everybody gets saved on Easter. It's a traditional thing. We do it every year. We go to church and we get saved. You're, you're not really saved. Because remember what you did on Thursday? You remember, because I saw you do it. I was the one that told you how to do it, and you did it. So you're not saved. But the Bible says in John 8 and 44, he told the people, he said, you are of your father, the devil. He is the father of lies. So you are saved. You are saved because you prayed and you believed. You confessed. You are saved. So we thank you so much for joining us on today. Let's give an applause because the Bible tells us that the angels in heaven are rejoicing over one that came and gave their life to Christ. The Bible declares that. So we thank you again. Connect with us. Tell us that what God did for you on today. Text OA Connect to 55498. 55498 to OA Connect. And just tell us this is what God did for me. We thank you. We love you. We look forward 